0: Welcome to House Call with Dr. Mack, where you get a real doc with straight talk for the whole you. It's here in the House Call community where we have created an inviting space for you to hear individuals' health stories, gain healthcare providers, and other experts' perspectives. It is our mission that with the knowledge you gain in the community, you will be able to connect your own health dots, become an intricate... Member of your healthcare team and begin to experience whole person care. So let's get started. Let's sit down. Let's have some conversations. Let's connect these dots. Let's get some straight talk. Hey, house call community. We have been having a power-packed 2015 fall season here in the House Call community. Wouldn't you say? My goodness. If you've missed any of the conversations... You can go back and and look at them and hear them in the archives. If you go to our webpage, it is housecallwithdrmack.com. That's H-O-U-S-E-C-A-L-L-W-I-T-H-D-R-M-A-C.com. You can access all of the archived episodes on that one page. We also want to take care of a little bit of housekeeping while we're talking about the House Call with Dr. Mac webpage. You can leave us a 90-second voice memo. Tell us where you're calling from, what has touched your life. When you go on the page, if you look up on the right-hand side, you will see there is a little icon that says, send a voice memo. You can click on that and like I said, send us a 90-second voice memo. We would love to hear from you. Matter of fact, we're starting to hear from some of you already and it is just a a joy. It's so exciting to hear where you're calling from and what has touched you. We also want to let you know that bringing you quality content is really our top priority. And to do so, we need to keep up with our with our equipment and that cost a couple of dollars. So if you hear something that touches you and you are just, you're so moved to tell somebody else about it, you can also become one of our Patreons, go to our support tab on our website. You can become a one-time supporter or you can become a monthly supporter by going through our Patreon page. And we would just be so um, excited if you would do that. You can also have us come and talk to your small groups or larger groups by contacting us through the Gmail account. That's realdoc74 at gmail.com. We can do one-on-one consultations um, dealing with nutrition and exercise. We talk about why do I feel so low? Why don't I have enough energy? Why am I always bloated? Or... Why can't I lose weight? You can get a personalized consultation, or we can come and do a seminar for your, like I said, your small groups or large groups, by by contacting us at realdoc74.com. I'm sorry, realdoc74 at gmail.com. That's r e a l d o c seven four at gmail.com. We love to hear from you. Can't wait to meet you in person. Seventeen years. Seventeen years. The reason this is so significant is because there is an actual diagnosis called hypoactive sexual desire disorder or HSDD. And Addy is the drug or the treatment option for this particular disorder. Brooke Fought and Vicki Pedigo, both nurse practitioners at the Women's Institute for Sexual Health in Nashville, Tennessee, came to the house call community, sat down, and began to talk to us about this little pill what it is, what it's for, and what it does. These two women have such a passion for women's health. They lobbied on Capitol Hill for Addy for this particular treatment. And you can hear the passion in their voices. They talk about how they have advocated for women's health and how this has become such a breakthrough treatment and it's opening other avenues. So let's grab those notebooks. Let's grab our pens. We're going to gleam some nuggets again. And like I always say, let's sit down. Let's have some conversations. Let's connect these dots. Let's get some straight talk. Welcome to House Call with Dr. Mack, where you get a real doc with straight talk for the whole you. We're back in the community, and we have been having an absolute ball this this season. I tell you, we have talked about how stress affects our bodies. We've talked about our children. And now, I, I kind of put a little teaser out there a, a little while ago, and I told you I was about to sit down and have a very interesting conversation with some phenomenal ladies about women's health sex and the fda and so i want to welcome to the show i want to welcome brooke and vicky to our house call community welcome brooke and vicky thank you so much for
1: having us thanks for having us we're thrilled to be here
0: well i i want i always kind of sit down and and let my let our community know how the guest arrived in the community And so I kind of take a little story, and I want to just do that very quickly for us. So you, I'm going to ask where you all work, and you let our community know where you work.
1: So the Women's Institute for Sexual Health is a small subdivision of urology associates in Nashville, Tennessee, and we started the practice about 10 years ago to uh, provide a center of excellence for specifically the female population. You know, when we think about urology, we think about men, but... Just as many women have urologic needs as men. And when we also think about sexual dysfunction, a lot of times the urologist is who takes care of men. So it made sense to open up this practice within a, a, the largest urology practice here in Tennessee. Wow. And um, Vicky and myself, we are both women's health nurse practitioners. We've been in practice for quite a bit of time. And uh, we currently specialize in sexual dysfunction, including libido, arousal orgasm. Um, as well as sexual pain disorders, and uh, that is not all-encompassing. We certainly do some pelvic floor issues and uh, just general urogynecologic issues, but uh, our biggest primary focus is sexual dysfunction.
0: Okay, so if, if the community was listening, they probably heard Nashville, Tennessee, urology, and if you remember, Dr. Leon Seard came and sat down and talked to us in the community, and that's how I got to know and got connected to you all. I saw on his Facebook page, the two of you jumping up and down as the FDA (laughs) had approved a special, a a new drug, and we're gonna talk about that. And I sent him a Facebook message and said, I gotta talk to them, how do I talk to them? And that's how we got connected, and I'm just so excited to sit down and talk about this, this this new and exciting information. So you you talked about where your practice, you all um, deal with female sexual dysfunction, you deal with uh, um, the urological um, aspects of females as well. You know, can, can we talk about what is um, female sexual dysfunction? I know that's a big area, but can we just talk a little bit about what that is? Yeah,
1: absolutely. So... There are a lot of different disorders that can kind of fall under that umbrella of female sexual dysfunction. So um, I usually include pain in that. Mm-hmm. So that would be a woman who's having pain with intercourse or intimacy. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it can be feel like a burning or an aching pain mm-hmm. or anything that is causing her to physically feel discomfort during intercourse. Mm -hmm. And then also under that umbrella are the disorders of low libido. So that would include the hypoactive sexual desire disorder. It's a loss of libido with no other factors. So she's not having pain. She um, doesn't have any medicines that are affecting her. Her relationship's good. All of those things. It also falls into the arousal disorders. So Mm -hmm. women, their bodies don't respond to that stimulation the way that they should. And then women who have difficulty reaching orgasm as well.
0: Okay. So now how does that play into what the FDA recently approved? So we've heard now there have been some um, rumblings. You know, People are now starting to find out that the FDA approved a new pharmaceutical um, treatment for, for women. And, of course, women are calling it the women's Viagra. So now how does this approval now, what, what type of connection now do we have with that?
1: Well, this is a really exciting time for women because this is a revolutionary decision. Uh, it's a huge, huge change for just women's sexual health. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the first ever medication. Its name is Addy, called Addyi, called A D D Y okay. I, otherwise known as sildenafil. And it's the first ever medication to be approved for hypoactive sexual desire disorder. Some call it HSDD, or just simply low, low libido, low desire. Mm-hmm. And um, it's been. This is a medication that is in research for years. It's one of the most widely studied medications in women's history, uh, just due to the fact that the the FDA required so much data before they were willing to approve a medication. Uh, unfortunately, for a subjective medical entity, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's because the FDA, not just the FDA, but um, even scientists, medical professionals, yes. it's hard to um, have people. Uh, believe that a medical condition exists when it's subjective and there's not something visible or tangible that you can see or measure. That's uh, true. kind of like depression. You used to think of depression as a non-medical entity and mm-hmm. that maybe people needed to relax or take some time off, but there's a true chemical imbalance in women that have HSDD. Mm-hmm. This is not the women that are too busy uh, with their children or they have marital issues or they're uh, sick battling, you know, chronic pneumonia or something like that. Once all of those potential factors are ruled out and there's nothing else that can be identified as a cause or a source for the low libido, mm-hmm. that's when we diagnose women with potential HSDD. Okay. And we can use validated questionnaires, which certainly helps us to uh, make that decision. But the, the point about this approval is that, number one, the FDA has acknowledged that this condition exists.
2: Hmm. Number
1: two, they have... Um, they've acknowledged that this medication is safe and it's effective for appropriate women. And then this is also opening up major options for future research, as well as um, just, you know, opening up the communication lines, just like we are doing today for women to talk about this with their friends, their family, and other medical providers.
0: Yes, that, that you, you've just hit on so many poignant points. Um, you know, you talked about it being safe um, and appropriate for, you know, safe approval for the appropriate person. So it, it is not just something that we're going to throw at anybody and everybody. There are strict criteria that we're going to have to use as healthcare providers to be able to administer this correctly. And so you're going to have to start having various conversations. There are going to have to be certain questions that are going to need to be asked. I know being an OBGYN, there are times where we... We really need to stop and really take a look and, and start asking those harder questions and start opening up those lines of communication because there are, there are conditions that we kind of skirt around or don't really delve into because we haven't taken that time to ask the appropriate questions.
1: I think that's so true. And I completely agree that one of the great things about this medication is that now we are having these conversations and hopefully that will help women that feel like any of their concerns around their sexual health is important Mm -hmm. and it is a right of theirs to have a good Mm -hmm. sex life, Mm -hmm. not Mm -hmm. just something that is secondary. Hmm. And then if they go in, they are going to ask those questions. And I think also hopefully it's going to help us health care providers for those of them that are out there that aren't comfortable with the subject matter to go ahead and educate themselves so that when a woman comes in asking these questions at least they can, you know, make good, appropriate recommendations and start to do that good assessment that you were talking about to, to see what else is going on. I mean, we have patients who come in all the time with their complaint is a low libido. When it turns out they've had pain with intercourse their whole mm. life. So You know, and and that's so important. Nobody's libido is going to survive when she's had pain the whole time. Exactly, um, exactly. Yeah, it's not just about the libido. The libido matters, but it's about the whole sexual functioning and that conversation that is now being had in a way that it hasn't been in the past.
0: That, that so is why we're so okay. true. That is so true. I was looking and I noticed that, you know, like you said, there has to there's strict regulations. There's so much that goes into um, a drug coming coming out. This particular one, I believe, had a very good it was a randomized, double blinded controlled trial, um, which yeah. means for, for those that are not, you know, up on epidemiological um, terminology this means that the participants as well as those administering the drugs didn't know who was getting placebo or who was getting the the actual drug is that that's 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 the way that it this works and so there was true um there was they were able to glean true information and really see what this was doing that that's almost one of the highest standards that you can have for a clinical trial so there there was very rigorous um uh, data that was that was gleaned through rigorous process, rather. So this this was really a great feat for women. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here kind of grinning, like, wow, we've come a long way.
1: <laughs> yeah, come... we have. You have. Why do you and think it took, took so long? Of, well, there's a lot of controversy over the fact that even though there were three phase three trials, uh, the first couple used um, measuring techniques that, unfortunately, were not all not nearly as good let's say as the the third phase three trial okay. and there were, there were online uh, diaries that the actual participants filled out and participants admitted that they got kind of fatigued with filling mm. those out and it was it so it was probably the phase three, the third phase three trial that gave us the information that the fda needed so that they were willing to approve this medication okay. based on its efficacy and safety And that used validated questionnaires, which are the FSFI, which is the Female Sexual Function Index, and the FSDSR, which is the Female Sexual Distress Scale Revised. Okay. And that's where we were able to identify that, you know, this medication works in about half of study participants with HSDD. And of those that benefited, there was a statistically significant improvement in uh, satisfying sexual events with six to eight more per month. Uh, comparable to baseline, and oh. also a, almost a 30% reduction in distress associated with that. So
0: wow. those statistics are great. That's great. Why do you think it took so long for us to get this approval?
1: I, I think there's a lot that goes into that. I think the first thing is what Brooke was talking about earlier, that for many years, we haven't looked at HSDD as a real medical entity. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the turning points is we now have MRI scans of women with HSDD looking at, you know, um, sexually explicit material and the parts of their brain that should be firing aren't firing. Mm. So they can now image that. So I think that that information really helped to to say to the medical community and to the FDA, hey, look, we can show now that there's something different about the brains of these women um, than there are from other women. So I think that's part one. I think part two is that, you know, we don't talk about sex in this way all that much. And Mm -hmm. it's not been something that's been really out there um, in our society in, in this type of medical way uh, I think this is the biggest breakthrough for women's health since the pill and I don't You're think right. that's overstating it it's yes. just it's that, yeah. it's that big of a deal it's not big of a deal and wow. so I, don't know, I think it says a lot that that now we're moving forward and the FDA has such rigorous standards as well they should and they've looked at everything and they said it's safe and effective and that this is a, a real medical entity um, it really changes things going forward. Wow. When Nikki and I were at the FDA open public hearing, you know, and that when the advisory panel made their initial decision to move forward with the approval process, we were pretty surprised at some of the comments that came out of the, the mouths of the advisory panel, including women, one of which was, is this going to be a date rape drug? And whoa, you know, really? really? Really silly comments that, that really surprised us. A lot of people would say to us, oh, I bet it was just a big, you know, advisory panel full of men and they could have cared less. But that's not accurate. There's <sighs> there's just as, as many women as there were men. And I just think that there's, uh, you know, if you're not seeing these patients or you're not a patient yourself, you don't fully understand the impact that this can have yes. on a woman.
2: Yes. And uh, yes. I mean,
1: we have women in our yes. office all day, every day crying and telling us how their relationship is feeling and how they don't feel feminine and. We've had women that are, are considering even harming themselves because they're so devastated by their lack of sex drive and the change that's occurred. And the other thing, too, I think that the FDA was hesitant because they were afraid of what those implications would be if they do approve this, which we look at it as good implications. But mm-hmm. finally, the research world is going to, to start looking into this a little bit further. But I think they were afraid that, um, that it was going to open up the floodgates for medications maybe that weren't safe or effective, and, um, and maybe just start this chaotic revolution, just kind of thinking completely off the end of the spectrum as to what probably is actually going to happen. Okay. Yeah. But that, I mean, that's our job, is to help weed through medications to true. make sure that the variable to us is safe and effective. That's so, true. That's
0: now, you all talked about um, there being an appropriate patient. For for this um, for this medical treatment, who is that patient? What does she look like?
1: I mean, I think she she looks like. Uh, well, this medication is approved for premenopausal women. Okay. So this patient is young. She has experienced a good sex drive at some point in her life, and at some point that went away. Hmm. she's not any on any medications. So, for example, the antidepressants or anti-anxiety medications that can impact it. So she's she's not necessarily on anything that we can label as a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, she identifies that she is, if she's in a relationship, that her relationship is good. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, we joke that we don't have a pill to make you like your husband. <laughs> you know, this is not bad. So, oh, and it's not going to be that. That's right, the person right. who should, you know counseling right, or, marriage, right. marriage or anything like that would be appropriate so this is not for her this is for the woman who's happy in her relationship except that her libido has left the building so mm-hmm. um she looks she looks like you and me i mean mm-hmm. these women are young mm-hmm. and and happy in other ways um it's it's not something else that you can put your finger on
0: wow unfortunately, now
1: unfortunately they a box warning for women um, drinking alcohol. And so you would think based on what you see uh, with the approval process of this, that women must not be drinkers, even social drinkers. Hmm. But I just want to acknowledge some of the research data. And, and obviously, as medical providers and photographers, we have to follow the, the FDA regulations. But uh, just bringing to light the fact that during the trials of the 11,000 women studied in, in, with flabanserin and eddy, not at any point was alcohol prohibited from use, and up to 60% of women reported themselves as mild to moderate drinkers. Okay. Um, There were no major uh, significant events that occurred other than during um, one of the studies. There was one woman that passed out and had to be taken to the emergency room. Mm. Um, She happened to have a history of syncope or passing out in Mm -hmm. the past. But the theoretical... um, the theoretical uh, uh, interaction between alcohol and Addy—they are putting a black box warning for any alcohol consumption in women. Okay, so that's
0: something to be. Okay, okay. Now you you mentioned before about women having pain with intercourse, and I I know that I have had several patients that I've I've dealt with in the past that talk about pain with intercourse, and we talk about being painful at various. Um, various anatomical locations you know either just with entry or deep thrust or penetration Um, does this does addy address pain with intercourse as well or is it just for a low low sex drive low libido is is that all addy really addresses
1: So no, it would not address that pain, and Mm -hmm. actually, that pain would make that patient not a candidate at that time for adding, in my opinion. Okay. Because uh, if a woman's having pain, it is a normal response of her body that her body is going to shut down the rest of her sexual response, Mm -hmm. (laughs) shut down, you know, arousal and orgasm, because it's the body's way of trying to protect her and say, Mm -hmm. "Stop doing this, stop having." Having sex if it hurts, so we kind of say, you know, I don't want to slam the head against the wall because it's mm-hmm. gonna hurt. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. if somebody who has pain, they're not going to want to do it. So, no, Addie won't address that. So, for that woman, she would really need to have the pain addressed first. Okay, have some experience of having pain-free intercourse. Give her body some time to relearn that sex does not equal pain anymore, mm-hmm. and see what happens. Okay, and she may be a candidate in the future but not
0: until that pain is taken care of okay now are there is there a certain age range that you see um, where women tend to come with the complaint of sexual dysfunction or I'm you know I'm having low libido let's call you know the hyposexual um, dysfunction is there a certain age range or is it you know kind of all over the board I mean well, we
1: have- from all age categories. We start seeing patients in early adulthood, so 18 and up, and we have, uh, I'm sure we've each seen patients um, that are up upwards of 90, 95 years old. Uh, and obviously we see patients outside the spectrum of sexual dysfunction, but really, I was just literally talking to a patient a few minutes ago and she was asking me, you know, should I just give this up? This is ridiculous. And she's mm-hmm. just in her late 70s. And I said, absolutely not. Hmm. You know, if you want, that's the thing is if you want to have sex, but you have low libido or difficulty achieving orgasm or pain, well, certainly let's talk about it and let's work on it. Mm-hmm. But um, there have been a couple of different surveys showing that women of all age categories have sexual dysfunction for a variety of different reasons, and it really depends on which category we're talking about. But distressing sexual dysfunction typically peaks between the ages of 45 to 64, and, uh, <clears throat> but at the same time, that doesn't mean that sexual dysfunction isn't prevalent in the younger and the older pro- population it's the distressing sexual desire
0: or distressing sexual dysfunction. Okay. I'm looking at our time, ladies, and I. this is such a great conversation. I want to get in a couple of more points here before we have to start rounding the corner. You know, I again, I saw your, your joyous post on, on Facebook, and it was after, you know, they had passed and, and approved the, the ADDIE. Um, but I heard that you all – came up to Capitol Hill, you know, I'm in the Maryland, D.C. area, and that you all lobbied for the passage of Addy. you know, what, what motivated you all to get that involved with this?
1: I mean, I really would have to say it's our patients that mm-hmm. we felt so strongly that we wanted to be sure that this drug got equal consideration, Mm-hmm. Not more consideration, not um, not less stringent measures, but that it was looked at equally to any medication that's come forward for a man's sexual dysfunction. Mm-hmm. And that's what we really were there for. We do believe in this drug. I mean, the data, like Brooke said earlier, I think speaks for itself. But our main concern was that the women that we serve had a voice in this decision that the people on Capitol Hill and the FDA realized what their decision meant for the
0: mm-hmm. women who struggle with this. Wow this this is such a great feat. You know, you made a point about this being the second greatest feat in medical in our medical journey as women since the pill, and that and that I would have to agree with you on that. I really would have to agree with you um, because I, I like you. I believe that we have put women's sexual health in the in on a on a on a on a shelf so to speak and you know we're even trying to get women to talk more about just how they feel in terms of feeling you know how their bodies are changing when they're going through the different phases of life and you know most of my patient population, because their mothers never talked about it, they don't talk about it, but just getting them to start talking about certain, just talking about their bodies, their health, how they feel. And now we're really starting to pull out and say, you know what, it's okay to have a healthy sex life. It's okay to want to have sex and for it to be enjoyable and if it's not then that is not you need to get it addressed if you are in distress about this you need to get it addressed and there are practitioners out there that can help us just like um, just like yourselves you all have have a wonderful practice and you all are passionate about this I can just hear it in your voices and I'm so excited about this you know most people think it's just OBGYNs because you know oh well you just see the women population but it's so So refreshing to hear other people kind of rallying with us in our corner, so to speak. I'm just I'm loving this. This is wonderful. Now.
1: I'm glad our passion is is coming through. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yes. You know, here in the community, um, we usually have our guests give our community a tip of the day. And if you if both of you could think of a tip of the day to give our community, I would be honored for you to give us that tip of the day.
1: Okay, well, this is Brooke, and my tip would be to um, to speak up. You know, don't ignore symptoms that bother you. And, of course, that's relevant for any aspect of medicine or health but, you know, especially in intimate sexual matter, there have been multiple studies showing that physicians and, and uh, medical providers do not bring up the conversation because a lot of times there's there are other things that are going on in that visit that take up, the, take up time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so outside factors, unless it's brought up by the patient, they may not be addressed.
2: Mm-hmm. And, so,
1: um, and then on the other hand, patients feel that if their provider doesn't bring it up, then it must not be important, so there must not be something available for them. But the thing is, if, if you as a patient are not receiving the answers that you want, ask for a referral. Ask for further information mm-hmm. or for your to research. Um, and be your own self advocate.
0: That was yeah, awesome.
1: I, I was actually going to say the same thing because I think what's what's hard for us is that many things, but our patients frequently come in and they've had negative experiences, perhaps with seeing a healthcare provider in the community that is either not knowledgeable or not sensitive to this subject matter. And you know, we live in the we say the buckle of the belly, Bible belt mm-hmm. here in Nashville, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. so. Um, women, unfortunately, still get told, you know, well will have a glass of wine and it will be okay mm-hmm. or, or other just not good advice. So, yeah, if you are struggling with these things and you bring it up to your healthcare provider and they don't give you a good response and they don't give you help or if they say something inappropriate like that, well, shame on them. And mm-hmm. you be your advocate for yourself and, and go find the help that you need and you deserve because it is out there.
0: Thank you both. That was awesome. That was absolutely awesome. So... Community, we're going to have some links on our site so that you can go and look up. Um, I'm sure there's information out there about this new and wonderful medical therapy and treatment. And again, you know, take out your notebooks, go back, listen to this episode. There were so many great nuggets that that were, that were put out here today. So go back and glean those. And until next time, we'll see you back here in the community. Bye now.